Dear God, what is a sermon but a bunch of words? Unless your Holy Spirit comes to bring them alive. And unless your Holy Spirit comes to open our hearts and our minds to receive them. And so now we ask for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit upon us, your congregation, your people. And upon this mysterious process of giving and receiving your word. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. This past August, our nation celebrated the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington. Back in 1963, four months before I was born, that civil rights demonstration of a quarter of a million people was the largest one that our nation had ever seen in the Capitol, and it was the very first one that was televised uh, and given national coverage. I'm wondering, was there anyone, or is there anyone here who was there? Well, if you weren't there, did anyone watch it on TV? Okay, a few of us. It was, of course, at the Lincoln Monument that Reverend, Reverend Martin Luther King gave his famous I Have a Dream speech and showed us that the first step in transforming our world is first imagining how it might be different. The first step in transforming our world is imagining how it could be different. I have a dream, he said, that one day the red hills of Georgia on those hills, the sons of the former slaves and the sons of the former slave owners will be able to come and sit down together at the table, at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream, he said, that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they won't be judged just by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. You see, he helped us as a nation. We couldn't begin to change until we had first imagined what this change might look like. And so we can see here that the role of the prophet is to help us to begin to imagine the world as God intends it. And living here in the United States in the year 2013, we still need prophets. Because as Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann says, one of our central pathologies is that we are often too numbed and satiated and co-opted to do this kind of serious imaginative work. That's just the way our world is, we often say to ourselves. Nothing will ever change. And whenever we say this, injustice and broken relationships and racism and exclusion 
are all allowed happily to continue forward unchallenged. Now, intriguingly, New Testament scholars Sylvia Kiesmet and Brian Walsh, and I hear that in earlier years some of you studied their book on Colossians, they say that this language of inevitability, when we say things will never change, that this is the language of empire. It's the strategy of every empire, whether the empire of the pharaoh or of Babylon or of Rome or of McWorld, the American consumer empire in which we live, to take our imagination captive so that we're unable even to imagine how the world could be different. And here in 2013, many of us, shaped by thousands and thousands of daily ads, simply live to consume the next in product and are unable to imagine how our world and how our own lives could be any different. Well, thanks be to God, this is where profits come into play. You see, the role of the prophet then is to come and wake us all up and to set our imaginations on fire with their visions of God's alternative future. Now, they're not an easy lot to receive. Any of you know a prophet? They upset polite company with their locust breath, with their strange camel hair fashions, and all of their abrasive brood of viper language. You don't win friends and influence people by saying that. They come to disturb those of us who have grown complacent and comfortable with the world with a world that is radically out of sync with God. And they call us to repent, to defect from our sinful and unjust status quo and to realign our lives with God's beautiful purposes. And friends, that's what's happening today with the prophet Isaiah, just as Reverend King did on the steps of the Lincoln Monument, this prophet Isaiah invites us to imagine a different world where power is actually used as God intends to defend and protect the weak and the poor. He helps us to imagine a world where kings and presidents use their power not to give tax breaks to corporations and the super wealthy, but to defend the meek of the earth. Amen? Amen. And then in verse 9, he dreams, this guy has a dream. He dreams of a world so full of the knowledge of God. What does that mean? 
a world that knows God so intimately that there's just no need anymore for violence or lethal weapons or movies about them. And then on the banks of the Jordan River, six centuries after that, John the Baptist comes to continue this ministry of prophetic imagination. If we go over to Luke 3, we learn that he invites his audience to dream of a world where those with two coats share their extra one with those who don't have one. Where tax collectors only take what's due to them and nothing more. And where soldiers no longer practice violent extortion, but are content with their wages. And in our reading today from Matthew 3, we learn that the preaching of this fiery dreamer is so powerful that many, many people in Jerusalem and in Judea all go out to hear him. They confess their sins and they are baptized by him in the River Jordan. In other words, he sets their imagination so on fire that they somehow have to jump into the water to get a little relief. Now, both Isaiah and John the Baptist, in their dreaming about the world according to God, are clearly condemning and critiquing the unjust kings and the crooked leaders of their own day. But they are also helping people to imagine a future king who will usher in a kingdom where God's will is finally done. They're helping them to get ready for a long-expected Messiah who will emerge from the long, long line of corrupt Davidic kings like a shoot from the seemingly dead stump of Jesse. And in this coming kingdom, the oldest Enemies of the earth, the wolf and the lamb, the leopard and the goat, the lion and the king will all be reconciled. And a child, a child will lead them. And God's life-giving, despair-ending, shalom-making spirit will be upon this And of course, we know who this child is, don't we? And we know that when he grows and he begins his ministry, one of the key elements of his work as well will be to free up and liberate the imaginations of the people to whom he ministers. If I can paraphrase Jesus just a bit, He comes and He says, imagine all the people loving God and their neighbor as themselves. 
Imagine all the people overcoming evil with good. Imagine all the people forgiving their enemies instead of trying to kill them. Imagine all the people sharing God's special concern for the poor and the weak. Imagine. And imagine a world where the circle of God's love is finally seen to include all of humanity and not just a few chosen number. Imagine. And in Matthew 3 today, John the Baptist announces that this new world is literally already at hand, touchable in Jesus Christ. So get ready, he says. Make your crooked ways straight. Bear fruit worthy of repentance and start living into this reality today. Today. So friends, what is this repentance to which John calls us today? In the Greek, at its heart, repentance simply means to turn. To turn away from everything that is separating us from God. And friends, what is that in your own life today? What is separating you from God? We turn away from this and we turn our lives toward God and toward our neighbor. Repentance also means confessing the ways that our imagination has become numbed and co-opted by the consuming empire in which we live. Confessing the ways that we, especially those of us who are white and middle class and educated, have become the privileged beneficiaries of the empire and have grown very comfortable with the way things are. As Paul Simon sings, God bless our standard of living. Let's keep it that way. So friends, this Advent, how can we defect from the consuming frenzy around us that we experience every year between Black Friday and Christmas? And how can we live instead into the world according to God? Well, two weeks from now, we will have the chance to share a festive dinner with our neighbors here on the east side especially those in need. And I urge you to participate in some way. 
You see, in our consuming empire, many of the folks that we meet on these Monday nights are treated and regarded as disposable people. You see, they are no longer needed by the industries that have shipped all of their jobs overseas. How can we deepen our relationships with that community? How can we welcome them as we will soon hear in Romans 15, just as Christ has welcomed us? And in this coming week, on Monday, that's tomorrow, (laughs) and Tuesday and Wednesday evenings, our congregation will be hosting the winter shelter for women here at the Lancaster YWCA. I don't know if you know this, maybe this is an old story to you, but I had never heard that this ministry was actually started back in 2005 when a local rabbi, Jack Paskoff, refused to accept anymore that women and children sleeping out on the streets of Lancaster in the middle of the winter was just the way things were. He refused to accept that. And so there arose in his imagination and in the minds of others this dream of a shelter. And then this imagination, this dream was set into practice so that there is this shelter during the coldest and most life-threatening months of the year here in our city. I read an article about him. And this Jewish brother said that he had a dream of repairing our world just a little bit. Repairing our world in Hebrew, tikkun olam. And this week we have the great privilege of participating and praying for this repairing and healing work. This Advent season, we are again journeying toward Bethlehem. And we'll be arriving there in two weeks exactly. And we are remembering again the mystery that God came to dwell with us in a little child, both to set us free from sin and death and to set us free for lives faithful and imaginative. He came to call us to defect from the empire around us and to join God's insurgency of waging peace and plotting goodness. So, dear friends, what is the Holy Spirit inviting us to imagine, and then to live into. How can we share the light of Christ more fully in our circle of relationships, in our congregation, 
in our city, and in our world. Amen.